All right, everyone, welcome to episode 70 of Toonsmate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And today, Ray, we are going to do In Memoriam. And this is something we've had on Toonsmate for many years where we always reflect on those that have departed. And this week we have three. You may remember some of these, maybe you don't. But it is interesting how there's a lot of musicians. We, we keep talking about this, Ray, that new music's getting released because people have been cooped up. There's a lot of artists that are still out there touring with their one hit. <laughs> and they weren't able to get out there. And now they're starting to get out, back out there. And some of these artists, you may remember, because they had the one hit. Some are getting back out there because they had many hits. And that's very reminiscent of the three that we want to talk about today. Yeah, we kind of, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that these all came together. You know, it's almost that, you know, people pass away in threes kind of phenomenon seems to be happening, but they lead us in different directions. And so it kind of does, it, we can kind of cover a lot of different themes here talking about these three, these three folks. Yeah. yeah. So let's first talk about Sinead O'Connor. You know, she just recently passed away. Everyone remembers her big hit. Nothing compares to you, which always blows people's mind that it was a Prince song that she did and became her biggest hit. And she was very controversial. You know, there's been a lot written about that. But you think about her song and the way she did it. And then Prince later released his version of the song that he wrote. I still think Sinead has a more passionate release, which is hard for me to say because I'm probably one of the biggest Prince fans out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, we had that. I mean, this was sort of, it was 1990. I had heard of Sinead O'Connor by then. I think a lot of people probably hadn't. She had gotten a little bit of attention on MTV before then. And yeah, she did this song by Prince, nothing compares to you. And, you know, we've seen that from Prince before, right? You think mm. of, well, the, you know, the, there's people like Sheila E and Sheena Easton and, you know, but even the Bangles, right? Manic Monday was written by Prince. He had written songs that other folks had done before and done and done successfully, you know, Manic Monday, the, the Bangles version of that is really, really well done. And, I think I've heard a Prince version of that. And, and that's another one where, you know, it, it seemed right for the Bengals to do it. The same thing here. You're right. I, I've heard the Prince version and nothing compares to you. And there's, there's, there's something just haunting, I think is the word that, that easily comes to mind about Sinead O'Connor's version of it. And it was her one hit, you know, she, that album that came out that year, I do not want what I have not got. It's been 30 some years, so I hope I got that right. You know, was her, her big pop album. Um, she had a second song off of that. In fact, I just heard it on the radio the other day. They must have been playing it after she passed away. The Emperor's New Clothes hit uh, number 60 on the Hot 100. Nothing compares to you, of course. Spent four weeks at number one. It was, a, you know, one of the, the biggest hits of the year back in 1990. And, and, and then after that, you know... Um, as you said, there was controversy. Um, the most, probably the most remembered controversy was she was on Saturday Night Live, and uh, she ripped up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live, and basically, you know, got herself 
banned from there and all kinds of other outlets were kind of blacklisting her. And not that she was necessarily going to have a pop career. She wasn't really an artist that was, I don't know that she was necessarily interested in that, you know, Mm -hmm. but an artist who was made for that, right. She was really more of an alt alt pop kind of artist or alternative artist who happened to have this, this flash in the pan with pop music in 1990. You know, I read an article, I saw it appear again recently this week. um, But I read an article a couple of years ago about the idea that, you know, for as much as she got lambasted about the ripping up a picture of the Pope on Saturday Night Live, it was actually meant to protest. She had knowledge of the sexual abuse scandal that eventually would hit the Catholic Church at that time when that was a time when a lot of us had not heard of that. And in fact, it was connected to that. And so in a way, she she was later vindicated, right? That, you know, well, there was actually some meaning behind that protest. It wasn't just her being obnoxious. You know, it kind of all came together for her to be this, this one of the biggest one hit wonders of all time, you know, but it was a huge hit. And as you said, it was a, it was a really amazing performance of that song. It's amazing how we talk about one hit wonders a lot on the podcast, a lot on the blog. And this really is quintessential. I mean, you think about Sinead O'Connor and the song and the impact. Like you said, it was huge in 1990. I still remember cranking it on my radio. I was into hard rock at the time. <laughs> so there was definitely something with that song and it connected a lot to people. And that's what I keep thinking about when we look back at artists and we go, hmm. Hmm. The music, how it can conjure up memories. And you think of that song and Sinead O'Connor, even though she just, at least in pop music, had that little glimmer that it left a lasting impression. And, and that's what I think about the other artists that we're, we're going to talk about on this podcast today, how they leave that mark. And sure, you may have their one song in your playlist, but... It's always about that memory, and that's what we always talk about when we feature music here. But we didn't reveal all the artists we're going to talk about at the top today. So we talked about Sinead O'Connor. Is there any other thoughts on Sinead, or did you want to talk about the two others we had in queue? It's interesting what you said about the fact that what we do here is about the the sort of love of music, right? That's what Tunes Mate's all about. And it's, we, we see these connections. Uh, that really makes me think of one of the other artists that we're going to talk about. Um, and well, actually both of them. So, mm-hmm. so you know, even more recently, the, the, one of the second artists we might talk about is Randy Meisner, mm-hmm. just passed away age of 77. And, um, you know, Meisner's interesting because if you say to people like, okay, name the Eagles, right? <laughs> what is <laughs> I mean, some people aren't going to name him because they don't know who he is. And then people who are in the know, I mean, you're going to go through Glenn Fry, you're going to go through Don Henley, you're going to go through Joe, Joe Walsh, right? You mm-hmm. might name Timothy B. Schmidt before him, right? You know, he's one of the founding members of the Eagles. And for people who are Eagles fans, of course, this is, they're going to know who he is and they're going to remember him. But he's not, he didn't get the fame that Glenn Fry and Don Henley did. But he was really important to the early Eagles. Uh, the, the, a lot of the reporting is focused on his big hit featuring his vocals, which was Take It to the Limit. Mm-hmm. But he was an important part of the band. 
He was, you know, he played bass. And then he, just like Fry and Henley, he had a solo career in the early 80s. And he, in fact, had three top 40 hits in his solo career. And so, you know, he's another example of of a, an artist we can find connections all over the place with. Just like we, we you know, we might look at Sinead O'Connor, we can see a connection to Prince. With, with Meisner, we can start seeing connections all over the place if we start looking. Yeah, totally. I love that you brought up Meisner because another thing people don't realize is he's one of the founding members of Poco. And yep. we've talked about Poco, at least on the blog. I think we've talked a couple times here, but he had left right when they were recording the first album and, and wasn't happy that he wasn't involved in the production of it. And then he goes and forms the Eagles. So you think about the two bands that he was a part of forming and then his solo career. But once again, very underrated member. But you think about the songs, you can pull up Poco's greatest hits and go, there's some great songs on there. The same with the Eagles. And then thinking about the song that you just talked about, you know, Take It to the Limit, that was on the One of These Nights album, which was their fourth studio album. And you think about that time period, they were really starting to hit their stride, you know, the Eagles. And even Glenn Fry said that was, you know, one of the easiest, you know, most fluid albums that they ever written. And Meisner had a part of that. And it's so interesting that Joe Walsh didn't come till later <laughs> in the Eagles, but everyone remembers him, but no one remembers Randy Meisner. Yeah. That, I mean, that's it, right? The Eagles went through all the, those lineup changes in the late seventies, early 80. You know, I remember interview with uh, Timothy B. Schmidt that he joined the band, you know, just before they broke up and, you know, he was there for like the last album. And he was like, you know, Oh, Hey, this is great. You know, I'm on top of the world. I'm in like the biggest band in the world. And, and then it, it just stopped, you know, and, you know, Meisner was there earlier. And as you said, he, you know, it, and I'm glad you brought up Poco because he was, he's foundational to two really important, like that country rock movement in the seventies, these two bands, and he's, he's central to both of them. And, and Poco was great, right? You know, they didn't get the, the stardom that the eagles did but jim messina and poco and uh, i mean the the years worth of of hits that they put out and, and albums that they put out and meisner yeah as you said right there at the beginning left you know right left early and then went to the, the eagles and you know i mean <laughs> you can't you can't fault him because the eagles became you know megastars but and then his solo career and so a, a really important connection i mean to the 1970s and in, in rock there yeah it is interesting how bass players generally get the short end of the stick <laughs> you know, it's, it's like as a former bass player yes i can relate to that i mean even eddie van halen i mean to bring the eddie van halen connection into this conversation is there's a point right around before eddie's death he talked about mike anthony he had a show mike how to play bass and he basically said anybody can play bass. Ironically, Wolfgang Van Halen became the bass player in the band. <laughs> and Wolfgang's first instrument is the drums. So it is interesting how bass players, and you just think about bass players in general, you know, they're holding down everything. They're generally backing vocals. They generally contribute heavily 
to songwriting and I just start thinking about bass players. You can go down so many channels, but it is interesting how the impact that one person can have, even if you're on bass. So all those people are thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to be on bass. They are very critical to the survival of a a rock band. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't, and again, I'm not just, I, I'm not just saying this as a former bass player, but you know, one of the reasons I played bass was because I tried to play rhythm guitar, you know, tried to play guitar and I could not as a, as a high school kid, I just couldn't get my fingers around doing chords and getting, you know, especially bar chords. I could not, I just didn't have the patience to sit there and learn it. And so I was like, well, I could play bass, but I don't want to diminish it, you know, because the other reason I did bass, because I played tuba in the high school band. And that was a very natural progression for me to play bass, you know, because I'm already the backbeat of the, the song. I mean, if you play in marching band, you know, the tuba plays your bass part, you know, it's got the boom, 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 boom rhythm. That's going to, that keeps the beat for everybody else. And um, that's what the bass does. So right to your point, you know, bass lines are, fundamental to pop music because they well they keep the beat they they keep the the tempo going for everything they along with percussion but they they also have been very important in a lot of songs and we you know we can certainly think of plenty of songs you know uh billy jean uh i was just listening to stepping out from joe jackson the other day the bass line in that it's kind of a, a, a walking an updated walking bass for the 1980s Right. You know, that there's plenty of songs where we can identify distinctive bass lines. And we, I think we've talked about this before, but then also even beyond when they themselves are featured, uh, you really don't have the the depth of the the danceability or in a ballad, the depth of the emotion without the bass line in there to kind of keep the the feel, keep the time and, and keep things going. And so, yeah. yeah, folks like like Randy Meisner are, are foundational to, you know, the success of the bands that they were in. It's definitely underrated. I mean, you even think about Queen. <laughs> I mean, what would Queen be without any of the bass riffs or Vanilla Ice, I should say. But remember, Vanilla Ice never sampled that song. His went, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, whatever. Remember. <laughs> right, but that's another one, right? The the baseline from Under Pressure is just I mean, it's foundational to the song and it's what Vanilla Ice used and I mean that comes on my radio, the the Queen and uh, David Bowie original and and I've got that thing cranked up. Sometimes air guitar and ride along with it and it's what really sort of helps make the song. So Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean it, and so again, we've got this Randy Meisner mm-hmm. You know, we've got Sinead O'Connor, we've got Randy Meisner, and then our third artist, who was act the, actually the first of these three to pass away, it has connections all over the place, and that's Tony Bennett. You know, Bennett passed away at the age of 96. I know he had he had been experiencing dementia for a number of years recently. I, I saw a news report about him a year or two ago where, and it was, it was interesting how he could, um, and I've seen this before with other folks who've had strokes or dementia or any other thing, they can still sing. You know, they... they you know, they struggle with things, but then for some reason sing, singing brings up a different cognitive skill and their brain can still process that in a way. And so he was, you know, he would still, I think I saw an interview and they were talking to family members or something and, and they're saying, you know, he still would, would sing. 
and you know he passed away and tony bennett i mean he's had you know he had a, a basically like a, a what seven decade career you know he's known for very for doing covers of all kinds of songs his most famous song i left my heart in san francisco mm-hmm. is certainly one one of the the sort of staples of his his act and his his performance he's an inspiration to just a, a certain type of feel of music, right? You think of like the, the lounge act or the, you know, you're hanging in a bar with friends or, you know, just hanging out with people and out somewhere. And you've got that sort of slowish, but not super slow kind of, again, kind of keeping a beat for you. Music just feels good. It, it's nostalgic. And Tony Bennett mastered that. And that's what he did for so long. Tony Bennett, as a <laughs> DJ, classic dinner music. You know, while you're, like you said, yeah. cocktail music, you hear that in the background. I mean, there's so many great songs. One memory that really connects with me is Tony Bennett's Unplugged. And if you remember the whole Unplugged series, which was a phenomenon, Nirvana had an Unplugged. I mean, you can just go down the list. Question is, yeah. who didn't have an Unplugged? <laughs> Right. I think Rush didn't. <laughs> Van Halen. Uh, let's go down the list. You know, some of the hard rock bands have said, "Sorry, we're staying plugged in." And speaking of Rush, Getty Lee just turned seven. Happy birthday, to Getty Lee! To have, right? That's right. <laughs> so, but yeah, you're right. I mean, who didn't have an unplugged? Right, Rod Stewart, uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs. But they hit big with it. Way. I mean, they actually had pop radio songs from their unplugged releases, and yep. Tony Bennett's had stepping out with my baby i think was just called stepping out but what a song i mean he once again a lot of covers but that album put him back on the map i mean this i think at the time he probably was in his 60s getting the 70s but because of that release he was able to revitalize his career and as you said he had that very long decade of being an artist but he was part of that. He was part of the unplugged phenomenon, which is funny to think about. But those are the things that, as an artist, you're looking for. What can I attach to? You think about when Michael Jackson decided to, let's do a duet with Justin Timberlake or whoever he's going to try to, um, I believe that was in sync at the time. Let's. They're always looking for, you think about recently, you know, Elton John, brought in Britney Spears or they're always trying to connect to some phenomenon. And I think Tony Bennett was able to do that. Think about when he connected with Lady Gaga as well later in his career. Yeah, no, that, I think that's a really important part of Tony Bennett in recent years. Uh, he, he was known, you know, kind of, you mentioned Elton John had that sort of duets album, right. And, you know, he did these duets with all these different people and, but, and Tony Bennett was kind of doing that before that just not quite calling it that i guess right and and you mentioned his his work with lady gaga they developed a they've developed a real friendship over the last number of years um and before that he did that work with amy winehouse and they had a uh, they actually hit the hot 100 together with a song and so in recent years it was it was kind of a, a phenomenon you know here's the here's the old 80 80 90 year old guy you know uh, and who could still kind of hang with the with the younger crowd you know, one of the things about Tony Bennett is that he was sort of the quintessential of cool. This is just sort of a, a, the, the, the sort of latest or last stage of Tony Bennett's 
coolness was, hey, I can hang with Lady Gaga. I can hang with Amy Winehouse, right? And we're hanging out doing music and and just uh, developing a friendship and hanging out. And it just felt, there, there nothing ever felt contrived about it. And that was, I think, part and parcel of who Tony Bennett was, what he symbolized and the the feel. We've talked on this this podcast. I think I've made the argument that, you know, music is about the feel or the mood, right? You know, you're going along and, and I've said before, you know, you're in the, I'm in the car and I'll put on the radio and I'm flipping around channels and there'll be a song that I really, really like, but I'm just not in the mood for right then. And I'll, I'll go past it to something that, you know, is my mood at that point. And, and Tony Bennett knew how to set mood and that's what he did well. And, and as you said, that the sort of dinner music, you know, the lounge music, the, I don't know that there's ever been anybody who perfected that any better than Tony Bennett. Yeah, you're right. And I think you said something that was very interesting is that Tony Bennett was able to hang, you know, with a, the latest crop of, you know, singers, you know, Amy Winehouse and Lady Gaga, but it's always about his voice. You even said, even in his later years, he was able to still sing and his voice was still solid. I don't know how some of these artists, it's got to be part genetics or part the way they are just taking care of themselves. But his voice was still strong. I mean, even with the latest duets, if you go back and you listen to the last couple years, he recorded, I believe, a couple albums with Lady Gaga where they did some covers. And he's still hitting the notes with Lady Gaga. And Lady Gaga has a very dynamic voice. pretty much hit any note you tell her to and he was keeping up with her so i think part of it is yes he's cool but he still had the chops and he could do anything he wanted and that showed in everything that he ever did yeah and i think you're right to to mention his voice his voice had a an almost spoken quality to it at times right where he'd sing a line and i mean he was singing it and he could certainly you know sing he could he could sing out notes but there were lines that would would they straddled the line between being sung and being spoken, and um, and that's a style. I mean, that was a, a mid twentieth century style mm-hmm. that you know again was the lounge act, the dinner music. You know, it it fit with that, and and I don't know if that contributed to his voice being mm-hmm. able to stand up to the test of time or not. But you're right to mention his voice because his voice is is foundational to everything else that his voice conveys the mood conveys the feel and has his voice been different. It might not have been so successful. Yeah. I mean, you think of all the artists that we talked about today, you know, Sinead definite, you heard the passion in her voice. You think about Randy Meisner, even if you just say, okay, let's listen to take it to the you know limit. You listen yeah. to that song. And then you think about any random song you can pick from Tony there's your string is that they're the emotional feel through all those, they all are different, but they definitely had an impact in their genre. As you said, what I find fascinating about what you even brought in, you think about Sinead O'Connor. I don't know what you classify her music. I know a lot of times they throw it in because of, uh, you know, Celtic, I've seen that on the Celtic Moods disc that used to be big back in, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And then you think about Randy Meisner, country rock. 
what is country radio now? I mean, isn't it pretty much every Eagles album that's out there? <laughs> and then you think of Tony Bennett, he, whether you want to call that jazz or whatever that is, that's still something to this day is, is carved out its own genre too. So all of these groups kind of carved out their own and, and you could probably put it on that playlist and it would remain strong. Yeah. I think you're, you're exactly right. And again, that, you know, it gets us right back to what we do here on tunes, mate. You know, we're, we're all about celebrating the music and the, the many different facets, whether it's the voice, the feel, the baseline, the, the social connections, you know, in Sinead O'Connor's case, the political connections, you know, whatever, you know, the connections to other artists that we've talked about here on this podcast and elsewhere. And, and that's what we're doing here, right? You know, it's, it's about celebrating the music. And in this case, you know, we're sad. We, we've had these three, three important artists who all just passed away. And, you know, so it's, it's sad, but it also brings us a moment to, to reflect on their careers and their impacts and, and again, reflect just on the music and how much the music means to us. And, and that's what we're all about here. And so it's really about celebrating them, their music and music in general. Yeah. And, and on Tunes Made Our Blog, if you subscribe, you will find out that, Ray, you're posting happy birthday to individuals that may have already passed on because you wanted to commemorate, oh, it's could have been, you know, this artist's 90th birthday or let's celebrate their best song. So finding out the latest and greatest, we're always doing that. We're always focusing on, as you said, Ray, celebrating the music. And I think in this case, the three that we focused today all have had significant contributions to the music industry. However, we're going to continue posting about it and, we hope that you enjoy it inspires you for the day. I mean, there's so many new things we keep putting out there and we're hoping to inspire you. Yeah. I think that's what it's all about. And that's what we're doing right here. As I said, please follow our blog, subscribe to our podcast and we've got a couple new episodes up our sleeves here coming around the corner, a couple other interviews and we've, we've got some other things coming up around the corner. So we appreciate your support. And once again, from Tunes Mate, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.